Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, my name is Stuart Miles, and welcome to the Pocket Lint Podcast. Samsung has just announced a bevy of new smartphones in what is likely to be one of the biggest, if not the biggest, Android smartphone launch of the year. The company's latest unpacked event saw Samsung reveal the Samsung Galaxy S22, the Galaxy S22 Plus, and the S22 Ultra. And it even had time in the packed one-hour keynote event to show off two Android-powered tablets, the Galaxy Tab S and the S8 Ultra, as well as a few other software announcements. Pretty jam-packed. But what should we make of the new product? Should we be getting excited, or is it all a bit, mm, well, meh? Joining me to discuss all things Samsung this week is Pocalint's Chris Hall and Pocalint's Mike Lowe. And over the next 25 minutes or so, we'll be discussing the new phones, what's new, what's old, and what's changed, as well as our first impressions of the new handsets. Yep, we've already had a play. But before we get to Mike's initial thoughts, Chris, do you want to give us a quick run-through of what's actually been launched this week? Yes, I mean, you've done quite a thorough job in introducing us there. And uh, as you say, we have a new trio of uh, flagship phones. The Galaxy S22 family is here. Everything is now very nice and convenient that Samsung is naming them the same as the year so we don't get confused about where we are anymore. So there's these the small Galaxy S22, the slightly larger, but in terms of specs, pretty much the same S22+. Plus. And finally on top is the S22 Ultra. Um, this very much reflects what we saw last year with the S21, and they're kind of positioned in similar places, but it's the S22 Ultra that I think is going to get most of the attention because that's where most of the changes have come in, which I'm sure we're going to talk about later. Um, and Samsung has, it hasn't been the most regular with, with announcing tablets, but now it seems to have a renewed vigor trying to get into the space of, as, as a lot of people are doing um, as we've all been stuck at home, there's been a lot more interest in tablets and mm. larger devices. And so to see the Ga- Galaxy Tab S8 um, launched along with its its ultra companion, uh, that, that comes as no surprise, really, because it means that you're going to have some bigger Samsung displays at home to get to grips with. Uh, outside of that, there is a list of software and feature announcements, some of which aren't necessarily new. Some of them are... I mean, the, one of the things that I find really interesting about Samsung is that it's it's caught up with its software updates to such an extent that it's now launching these devices on the same software as its current devices, the S21, whereas in the past, these launches always came with new software. So that's a, a bit of a difference to, to previous years, which is quite interesting, but it is addressing that problem that a lot of people would always complain about, which was the speed of Android updates and things like that. So yeah, a lot of hardware announced and that should see Samsung through most of the rest of the year. Um, but yeah, the, this is the flagship devices all out there now. Wow. Um, and Mike, you've had a play. I have indeed seen the whole bunch, um, the full six items. There's the one little one we've kind of failed to mention is um, 
on the tablet side, there's also the, the entry level 11 inch, and then there's a plus version that sits in between that and the uh, the ultra, which is the brand new super massive scale tablet. And uh, yeah, the the three three phones, the S22, which um, really very much sit in the sequence of what Samsung is kind of all about, to be honest. Um, there's a lot of excitement around these launches as ever. Um, but actually, the S22 is really not dramatically different to the S21 in very many ways at all, to be honest. Um, right. It's slightly smaller, which is a bit of a peculiarity because it means it's slightly slimmer. You've got a slightly, slightly smaller screen, um, but you lose a bit of battery as well. So I think that might raise a few eyebrows um, and we'll have to see how that actually kind of pans out because at the smaller scale, um, it might be a little bit too small, but we'll, we'll see with that. Um, and then obviously you've got the scale, things get kind of considerably larger. So the entry level one is a 6.1 inch screen. And this really seems to be, you know, what I think a lot of companies are doing this. There's been this moment of screens in phones over the years just got bigger and bigger and bigger and it's kept going. And we kind of hit that kind of plateau of like, I kind of don't really want a bigger one anymore. Maybe something a bit more sensible and not small, small, not tiny, but actually just really usable in one hand. So that's kind of the the approach of the entry model. Um, and then there's the in-between is the plus, which is 6.6. Um, and then you go up into the ultra, which is 6.8. Um, but the ultra is kind of a bit like the thought to be discontinued note 20 ultra in disguise. That's kind of my view of it. And that's kind of, that was, you know, one of the first questions I have is which, which is best for who? In, yeah. whom, in that kind of, you know, because you've got three, you've obviously got the, the 22, the 22 Plus and the 22 Ultra. Presumably they get better specs as you go up the up the scale or, or they get bigger screens or what have you. But is there a, are the underlying processes all the same? Is, you yeah. know, the camera technology all the same? So it's really just a case about size. Um, they're actually, they're fairly uniform. So, I mean, the cameras do change, but we can come to that in a bit. Um, in terms of processor, yeah, it's, they, they've stuck with, the very same. So I think the message is you're buying a flagship product, you get a flagship processor. Uh, interesting in the UK, it's going to be Samsung's own, which is the Exynos 2200. Um, we were very much expecting it to be Qualcomm, but that is reserved for the USA, um, which I, I don't know if there's a specific reason for that, that kind of choice. Could be supply and demand, but that's a bit of an unusual change compared compared to norm. But you know, side by side, those two processes should pretty much deliver exactly the same um, kind of performance levels. Uh, there might be small discrepancies between between that if you super deep dive into what they can do and what they can't, but um, pretty much similar to the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1, which is what the USA will have. Now, having watched the keynote, uh, quite a big proportion of, of the keynote in, in sort of the grander picture compared to everything else was spent talking about Samsung Note and the S Pen and its ability to do lots of things with AI and all those kind of stuff. Is is this just a note in disguise? I love the fact you called it the wrong thing. <laughs> so the note, the note name kind of sticks, doesn't it? So um, I, when I saw it, when I previewed it, um, I took a Note 20 Ultra along with me. And, and putting that next to the S22 Ultra, they're very, very, very similar. Like front on, like you could probably barely tell them apart. Um, same kind of scale, same kind of screen size. Um, same when you flip them around, that you can really see very distinctively that it's different because um, the S22, they've completely redesigned the, the whole camera arrangement. Um, 
it's less i mean hopefully people who are listening have seen some photos because it's quite distinctive it's it's not in like a single enclosure and that's been a thing over years now where those kind of rear sections have just grown in terms of protrusion and kind of got more and more annoying and i find when i'm reviewing phones that you know they're sat flat on the desk and they just wobble about absolutely everywhere um now it's very much like individual camera sections that kind of poke out the back of the, the phone but they're slightly better integrated into the back of the device so it's less there's less protrusion um, and it gives it just like a real unique kind of look um which i personally really quite like but i'm sure there'll be differing views on on that and chris you had i know before we started this conversation the recording this conversation should i say you were you had a thought about the note yeah yeah i mean I, I unleash the fury <laughs> i i wouldn't say that it was fury but i would I would argue against this being a note in disguise. Um, and, and the reason I say that is because of this, the way that note has evolved over those past few years and the way that galaxy S has, has kept growing and growing and growing. And when they, when they started launching the ultra phone, we immediately said, well, this is the same size. Like what's the point in the note. And then last year, the, the ultra supported the S pen as well. It didn't come with one. It didn't have one in the body, but it supported it anyway. So you got all of the functionality from the note anyway. And th- and it was clear that these two lines were going to run into each other because the reason for the note to exist suddenly evaporated when the Galaxy S moved into that same space. Because mm. a lot of people loved the note because it was a big display and it was bigger than everything else that was on the market. And it made sense because you were using the S Pen. Now, slowly we've evolved. As Mike said a few minutes ago, everything is getting bigger Galaxy S got to that point where it was the same size as as the Galaxy Note. And, you know, I looked at some of the Galaxy Notes. I didn't see the last generation, but I saw the generation before that. And I thought, well, this is great. But why is that? Why is Samsung launching two flagship level products, which are slightly different, but slightly the same? Isn't this just confusing? So rolling the Note, which was always a smaller share of the market into the Galaxy S, makes perfect sense to me so i don't see this as a note i see this as the galaxy note now just giving you the last function that was missing which is the s pen and it's the the interesting thing about the design which mike talked a little bit about was that the new model is slightly squarer and that allows them to accommodate that s pen without there being a sort of curved corner where it's much more likely to knock the end of the button and the thing to come out of the housing yeah uh, which was never there before. So, I mean, I, th- it, I think it makes perfect sense if you if you want to use the stylus, you can. If you don't want to use the stylus, then just just leave it in there. Um, it will be interesting to see actually if case manufacturers have a case that completely covers over the uh, the end of the button, so that those people who decide that they don't want to use it never even have to think about it. They'll put the case on and completely forget that it has that function <laughs> until two years later when they decide to sell their phone. Like, oh my goodness, there's a pen in here. Where did, where did that come from? Yeah. Now, let's talk about cameras. There seems to be a lot of focus on cameras. Certainly the Ultra has got five cameras on the back. Is that right? Four. Four. Four and a sensor. Yeah. It looks like five because I think they have five individual circles from, from memory. Yeah, they do. And yeah. a wonderful term that Samsung banded around, which was nitography. Welcome to the world of buzz, buzzwords. Oh, yes. So do you want to talk us through this, Mike? Nitography? Um, <laughs> well, 
It's a buzzword, isn't it? Biotography is a wonderful way of marketing a thing that actually Samsung already did pretty well, which is taking photos in low light. So there are some improvements um, in that there's, there's greater kind of optical stabilization that can improve the ability to take a photo in low light by counteracting some of the movements that you might make. Um, how much difference that will truly make, um, I'm yet to see properly because we haven't you know, really held on to these devices and had proper you know explores of how well they'll they'll handle low light situations but you know i think uh, to me it sounds like it'll be a moderate moderate improvement on something that that's already done pretty well um and you know i think chris actually spent quite a long time comparing the previous camera to, to some other devices so you may actually have an even deeper take on it than i do to be honest. yeah i mean the interesting thing is that it really is just the application of a name nitography I think they just want to stand out and highlight the fact that their devices are slowly getting better at taking photos in low light conditions. I, um, it's debatable whether Samsung has been the best on the market in the past. Certainly, there, there has been nothing wrong with them. Uh, there, there's a lot more emphasis now on the front camera now. Front cameras have been particularly weak at night photos. I think the, uh, I mean, the Google Pixel has done fairly well on those because the whole thing is driven by software. But the, the descriptions they were making there about taking multiple shots and fusing them together and, and all of that kind of stuff. We've been hearing this for years and years. Mm. Uh, Huawei was one of the big proponents of that. And that must be, what, four years ago now or something? Easily. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I, I don't think that there's anything new here, even though they've they've put a new name on it and talked about it a lot and talked about the improved performance. Um, I, don't, I don't think there's actually any new technologies here. I just think it's going to be boosted performance and, and ultimately that means you you point your camera at whatever you want to take a photo of press the button and it happens and you don't have to think about it you just get a decent shot and that did feel that does feel some of the big messaging here from samsung is trying to come up with like just buzzword bingo there seemed to be a lot in the presentation about you know oh it's got this it's got this and it's got this and it's got this and it's got this and it's all oh, it's also got this and it's also you know and you're like whoa 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 even as technology journalists are kind of struggling to follow along as the you know the information was just fired at you at high speed and looking at some of their advertising campaigns as well it feels that that message is is clearly something that's going to run through do you feel Mike, that that's something that consumers will struggle with or have we just got used to that from samsung now and and you're just like okay great it takes nice pictures in the dark i think we're kind of used to it from all all makers there's very much a how can you wrap up something that is performed in a kind of buzzy way because all the competition probably do the same thing. So there's always kind of some buzzy word around it. Um, yeah, I, I think if it's handed out in tidbits, it shouldn't really matter. But I think part of the point also is it needs to be wrapped up in that way because if you're comparing year on year, generationally speaking, there's not a massive, massive difference in these phones. So you need to kind of sell the product, right? That's I think that's the reasoning for it is to give a different bunch of words to people to get excited about even though what it's doing really isn't dramatically different to before which isn't a bad thing because they those phones were great these ones also appear to be great too um but it's it's almost like a leveling of what to expect year on year because there's only so much you can do and clearly this year it's about marketing that rather well so the final word on on from both of you on, on the phones before we move on do we do we like what we've seen is it do you think it's going to sell well do you think it'll appeal to the, the the wider android audience 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, I'm still going to go back to the note thing because I know me and Chris won't agree on this, but or maybe we do in part. I kind of see because the Ultra, the S22 Ultra has the S Pen stylus integrated within it. I kind of don't see that many people who are jumping to the S22 are going to want that. I don't really understand why you've got, you know, the S22 with a flat screen, the S22 Plus with a flat screen, and the S22 Ultra with a curved screen and a stylus integrated. Why that jump kind of happens? Surely they should all have a stylus or none of them should. And why is it the introduction of the curved screen compared to not? I kind of feel like there are two series that could be had. One that's very much for those who always will use the pen and one for those who won't because of the three, I'm most excited about the Ultra because I'd want the bigger phone, but that's just me. I suspect a lot of people may think in a similar term to that. Having it there, okay, it's harmless. I doubt it costs too much um, in terms of production cost, but then it's not a cheap phone. So it's it's a little bit of a strange one. I feel like they're, they're quite different devices. When you look at the 22 Plus against the Ultra, they're very different in size. They're kind of very different in camera layout and capabilities, and they feel like quite different devices to me overall. I agree with some of the stuff that Mike's saying, actually. I think the people who will be most excited are the people who have an old Galaxy Note who think, well, I've been overlooked for the past you know, couple of years. Oh, look, now there is a flagship device I can move to and uh, take my love of the stylus with me. And, that, and, and on the flip side of that coin is all the people who just wanted a big phone, which is the most powerful, who, who are now sitting there facing uh, their, their dilemma about you know, what do I do with the S Pen? If you've never used it before, why would you want it? Because if you move from the Ultra down to the S22 Plus, there's a whole, you know, it's almost a completely different phone. You know, the the core power is the same, but the cameras are different and the feel and the look is different. And it's not, it's not just a smaller version of the Ultra. It's, it's, there's quite a big divide there. So that might see some people who want a top tier phone just say, well, actually, I could buy the S21 Ultra instead, not think about the S Pen, might be a little bit cheaper. And that could be the way that they go. But, you know, it for the first time, it does create this, or not, not quite for the first time, but it does definitely create this division between a top tier that does a whole load of stuff and the sibling device launched alongside it that is called exactly the same thing, almost exactly the same thing that isn't completely related it to it. As well, I was kind of thinking also, because it's only about a month ago, from recording this that the s21 fan edition came out so the whole kind of launch cycle process is even more confused because Mm. that's a 6.4 inch phone which sits in between the s22 and the s22 plus so you've kind of got this massive range now and actually the fan edition is not dramatically different you know it's slightly lower down the scale in certain areas but to, to launch so much in such a sort of short product cycle time seems a bit strange i'm kind of surprised that this fan edition ever did launch to be honest but i don't think it'll impact on on the success of this range too much but just kind of an interesting point that samsung is covering kind of every eventuality well the good news is is that we've got plenty of uh, articles about what the differences are what's uh, what we think of the products what's actually been announced and all the other stuff on pocketlint.com so if you need more on that please visit the site now let's move on to tablets uh, mm-hmm. as you said we've got an s8 an s8 plus and an s8 ultra so kind of similar breakdown is 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 that right but just for a tablet experience yeah it's and actually it's quite similar in terms of the sort of points of difference so the the tab s8 and the larger plus version are 
pretty much a reflection of the S7 and S7 Plus that came out in, I think, 2020. Um, and then the Ultra is completely new. That's a, a totally new introduction into the range. Um, it's slightly different by design because it's got a um, a notched bezel because it's a dual front-facing camera. So that's... Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? There's a notch. There's on a, a notch. Samsung on a Samsung tablet, there's a notch. That is correct. Yes. I I, I thought that this was the preserve of, of Apple. Well, here's the thing, right? So this tablet is huge. It's fourteen point six inches, which that's from, a big tablet, <laughs> right? It's a big one. Um, Apple at the minute, the largest they make, I believe, is twelve point nine, right? Yeah. So I get a little inkling that this has kind of been launched as a, hey, we're here first. We're gonna we're gonna bring out your super extra large Apple tablet that hasn't been launched yet to show that Samsung's ahead and that Android can do this um, because there's been rumors for a while that Apple's going to launch a, a massive tablet, right? Um, and it's a really different thing because it is big. Like it's, it looks amazing in one regard. It's kind of like almost A3 size, isn't it? I mean, that's huge. I haven't quite got the dimensions <laughs> in front of me, but maybe. <laughs> The thing when I was holding it, it's like, okay, yeah, you know, it looks really nice, big AMOLED screen, it's bright, it's like really, really bright. Um, I'm sure stuff would look amazing on it, but actually you're not going to buy that just to watch stuff. It's very much like, also it starts from like 999, it's a thousand pounds. You're very much there to have, the S Pen is included again. It's a Surely it's, it's, with that size, it's, it's tucks inside. Uh, no, how could it not like fit inside the thing? It's, it's the thing with the Samsung S Pen is kind of universal in that the S Pen you get in the phones is very sort of you know dinky. It's a little thing that that yeah pops in on the tablets. It's much more like a, an actual pencil. pen, right? It's very much like an Apple pencil. True. Um, no, it magnetizes on the back. Um, okay. So this is universal across the range of their high end tablets. Though there's an S Pen included in every uh, Tab S8. Um, but I think very much on, on the larger scale, you're either going to be buying it as a drawing tablet, you're going to be using the top-end power for lots of apps, or in theory, and I haven't seen these yet, but there's loads of accessories that can kind of transform into a kind of laptop alternative kind of replacement. Um, into a like, table, surely, at that size. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> a like, coffee table <laughs> attachment. <yeah. laughs> I'm just not convinced that Android um, or Samsung's UI has, has yet got the whole laptop replacement thing quite right. And so. that's, I was going to say, that's the question, isn't it? Is that I know Android, Google have sort of said that they're going to focus more on Android. We had the software update in the latest Android, didn't we, that kind of addressed larger screens, Chris. does Do we feel from what we've seen so far, though, that apps are going to be able to cope from this? Or are you just going to end up running multiple windows in the hope that that gets you somewhere to productivity? Because Android apps have always been quite good at scaling because they have to work across so many different types of device um, in all different form factors and stuff. So, you know, they have always worked and, and people have always said, well, there's not enough apps designed for Android tablets. And you're like, well, that's because they kind of all work. But having said that, um, and that being the argument that iPad users always put over, we've got loads of dedicated apps that work much better. And that is also true. You know, the, the iPad looks more elegant. And there's obviously been a lot more thought gone into how the user interface works around the iPad compared to a bog standard 
Android tablet. And they say bog standard because this is Samsung and Samsung is different. Samsung has, you know, it, it tweaks its own UI. So Samsung has been a lot more advanced than most other Android tablets. And for many years, Samsung has done something on a tablet. And then you've found that other Android tablets can kind of do the same thing. You know, we shouldn't underestimate the amount of influence that Samsung's software development has on the rest of the Android ecosystem. So um, there are some things where I think it will probably work really well. And I have used like uh, the Microsoft Office stuff or mm. Google's own um you know google docs and stuff like that and and they all work really well if you get a good keyboard and you've got a way of propping this thing up um i could see that some sort of kickstand integrated into a cover keyboard cover thing like that you could probably use that perfectly well but there are these little moments that occasionally that catch you out where you want to log into an app and that login screen only exists in lands it only exists in portrait and you're working in landscape and everything's sideways and you're sort of sitting around looking at it thinking really is this still happening and it, it kind of does happen and it, it it will catch you out and things that don't quite scale up because i mean obviously now we're talking about something that's massive um and if the, and if that doesn't work properly in landscape you could be sitting there looking at something that's huge with huge text boxes in it because Nobody ever thought this was ever going to be used to such scale. Um, so I, I don't think that Android tablets are as elegant. Um, of the Android tablets that I've used, Samsung has generally be offered the best experience. Um, I, it's hard to say whether there is parity with uh, with the iPad experience so far. And I think that's, you know, that's just a reflection of the market and the just the sheer volume of, of iPads that get sold mm. against the the number of, of Android tablets. I mean, let's not forget that most brands stopped making tablets, Android tablets, a couple of years ago and are only just paying more attention now. Yeah, which does give Samsung quite a big advantage because they've been so much at the kind of top end of it. Um, yeah. Whilst you were speaking, I was just looking up all the various accessories and I haven't seen these, so I can't comment on exactly what they are. But it has a book cover keyboard, which presumably will be keyboard and cover in one. Book cover probably just a protective cover and then there's also a protective standing cover which maybe is kind of like i think i saw that in the keynote i think it's it's a cover and then the front of it's it's see-through it's like see-through perspex so you can still see it but it's got a cover so you could turn it upright and make it into a coffee table perfect yeah there, there we go. go. <laughs> right. Now, uh, finally, on the software front, um, I know there was, obviously, we've talked about software there. And, and Chris, you're saying how Samsung does have a big influence on the industry. One of the interesting yeah. software announcements, uh, aside for some new features within watch and within the watch, uh, Samsung Galaxy Watch 4, uh, was that they're now promising four years of Android updates. This sounds exciting. This sounds like it's going to have a dramatic effect on not only Samsung users, but also whether the industry will follow as a whole. And I noticed that really there was, apart from Google Duo um, and a bit of mentioning for Microsoft for their Office products, Android really didn't get a mention at all in the keynote. Well, yeah, that tends to happen. I mean, I heard uh, Samsung drop in one UI several times. One UI 4 was mentioned. And um, as I said at the beginning of this, um, One UI 4 is something that we already have on Android phones. I mean, I've got Android device on my, I've got a Samsung device on my on my desk at the moment that is is running the same software that these, these run on. Um, that's, you know, partly because Samsung has improved their update process. Um, 
as Android has all tried to speed everything up. And Samsung has gone from one of those companies where you're always waiting for an update to really leading the charge now. And everybody's mm. sort of looking around saying Samsung's Samsung's updated a lot of phones because they have so many different models in the market and different versions around the globe. And they've managed to update at a, at a, a pretty respectable pace. The moving to four years means that they're essentially extending the life of those devices. And that's four years of Android versions, as well as five years of security, because the core OS and the security updates are handled independently. And so that means that you should have a safe device from five years of, you know, from, from the initial launch date. So that's going to be five years from now. Um, and that, that's impressive. The The Android OS side of it, a lot of people get quite wound up about whether they have the latest version on or not. In some cases, that doesn't make a huge difference because, you know, all of the core apps for Android update independently from the actual OS version. So you could be running the latest version of Gmail on an older version of Android and the experience would be pretty much identical. You wouldn't even know. Um, so, yeah, it's great because it means that you'll be able to buy your phone uh, and have those new features in the future or it means that somebody coming into the market and buying a used device will know that they've got several years ahead of them rather than just buying something that's never going to be updated again. Um, it, it, it's, it's good because Samsung now is not only updating quickly, but it's promising all of that future support. And Samsung is the biggest smartphone seller manufacturer in the world. So, you know, that's quite a big deal. But it does mean that everybody else in the Android space is going to be looking at this and thinking, Okay, do we have to compete with that? What do we do now? One of the interesting things is that it's only these flagship devices from this year and last year that have been included in that promise from what we've seen so far. Whether that rolls down to the more affordable devices like Galaxy A series, for example, that is something that we're still waiting to establish because that could make quite a big deal because whilst Galaxy S is the flagship, Galaxy A sells a huge number of phones globally because they're much more affordable. And those are the devices that the users really want longer support because mm. they don't have the finances to just go out and buy a new phone because there's a new one on the market or they've run out of updates. So, yeah, it, it will be interesting to see whether Google responds. Google's currently doing five years of software and three years of, of uh, OS updates on its own Pixel devices. Um, so, yeah, Samsung has basically stepped up and said, this is the new standard. And Mike, do you think that will have an impact on the rest of the industry? It should well do. I mean, a lot of makers now are promising three years. It's not always a guarantee, but pretty much that. It, it may depend on who your customer is to some degree because, as Chris says, some people are extremely passionate. Others may not actually really notice or care that much. So there's probably a bit of a split line on that as to how much it matters. And quite a lot of people do get through phones pretty quickly, whether it's because they drop them and smash them or whatever. They may not repair them and just go and buy another one. It depends on the you know, financials and general mentality. But yeah, we, we shall see. Uh, as Chris says. It's hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Definitely something that these other companies are going to have to think about. Well, that's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. Until next time, pip pip. <laughs>